0: Welcome to Help From Future Self.
1: Hello, Archons. Welcome to Help From Future Self, the conversational KeyForge podcast by and for KeyForge friends. I'm your host, Sydney, and I'm joined this week by Blake. Hey, Blake, how you doing?
0: I'm doing well, Sydney, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty awesome. Also here with me today are the hosts of the podcast, KFPL Weekly. Hey, Jupiter.
2: Hey, how you doing?
1: Awesome, and Drascore, hey, what's up?
2: Hey, guys. How's it
1: going? Hey. So this week, we are here to talk about the secondary market. So we will go all into that in a little bit. But first, Drazcore Jupiter, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Who are you? And a little bit about your podcast, maybe.
2: Well, I am Fifth Planet. Keyforge, a.k.a. Jupiter, been around since day one doing stuff for Keyforge and stuff, and uh, I basically started this podcast a while ago. I've had a lot of different co-hosts along the way. You might know one of them. His name is Blake. He kind of sucked, so I got rid of him. <laughs> 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 just, just kidding. Um, but uh, nah, he taught me everything I know, and honestly. So uh, I had to bring in a, an expert, a, a, a Vault Tour winner, um, Drascore, and I'll let him tell you all about him. So.
3: Expert? Wow. That's 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 saying a lot. I feel like I, I've gotten lucky a few times, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Hey, guys, this is JazzCore. Uh so, yeah, I'm co-host with Jupiter on the KFPL Weekly podcast. Uh, yes, I, I did get lucky enough to, to win a vault tour, um, but uh, just have a ton of fun. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it had to have been something else, too, but uh, I don't know. You're I humble. We get it. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> I I, just, I don't necessarily feel like the greatest player in the world, but uh, I have a ton of fun playing all sorts of decks, and even if they're not amazingly good decks, which probably helps playing playing sealed, which is the events I've I've done better in, um, and uh, just just having a good time doing doing all things KeyForge.
1: Awesome. Well, that's fantastic. I'm really, really excited to have you both here because I have so many questions for the three of you. The secondary market is something that has interested me for a very long time, but I have very rarely, if at all, dipped my toe into it. So I am, I'm super excited to um, pick up with uh, what is the secondary market? So why don't, why don't uh, Jupiter, why don't you tell me a little bit about what the secondary market even is?
2: Well, a secondary market is anytime that you are you own a deck. Once you play, your, pay your MSRP towards a deck, you basically own it. And then by owning it, um, if you wanted to resell it, that would be what is considered into the secondary market. And in KeyForge, you have a very unique situation in the fact that every piece of like deck, like any deck that you put into the secondary market, it's unique. So it makes the values on different decks like did very a very large variable like it's very hard to do a secondary market in keyforge with any kind of consistency because of the level of decks and the, and what people value in decks. Um, there's a lot of different levels to it but we'll get into that a little bit later I'm sure.
1: Yeah totally. So why don't also um, I want to hear a little bit about all of your experiences with the secondary market because as, as I just mentioned I have very very little. So Blake what what have you done in the secondary market?
0: I've bought and sold in uh, various capacities. Uh, For me, when I'm buying, I'm generally not looking for the super top, top tier decks. I usually look for something that looks cooler, unique, or fills out something in the collection. I find that's what I've been gravitating to. Uh, I'm not looking to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a deck, but I will sell decks for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I'm (laughs) I'm okay with that. But uh, I, I find that when I am participating in the secondary market, Uh, it's, it's like, I like this period right now in dark tidings when it's kind of near the beginning, the people really, uh, value SAS as a metric for kind of putting decks. Like you'll even see if you go on the decks of Keyforge site, which is uh, arguably one of, if not the biggest way to sell decks that people will sometimes in their stores have like a varying scale of prices that will be a SAS range to dictate that. So that's kind of like a little barometer they use. And so I find that you can sometimes find some interesting deals that way. Although I have become much more of a play before you buy sort of thing. because so I've, I've had a few where I was like, oh, I'm really going to get this deck. It looks great. And then you jam it a couple of times. And you're like, why is this not doing the thing that it's supposed to do? Like it looks good and then it just doesn't pan out. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my experience right now.
1: Drazcore, what about you?
0: Yeah, so, uh,
3: so I buy quite a bit but cheap decks. So I've got a um, sort of a soft $30 limit on what I'll spend on a deck. So I am not buying the, the top of the top decks and uh, I'm buying decks that look fun. Um, I'm buying stuff that I think might outperform the, the 30 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever I'm putting down on it. Um, I, I do not test those decks before I buy them And, uh, sometimes, sometimes, yeah, it's like, well, that was fun to play. (laughs) Sometimes, uh, but sometimes they turn out pretty, pretty solid. I was, uh, I was actually just chatting with, uh, um, with Dilly the other day because, uh, he, uh, I brought one of the decks I I had bought from him to actually to to Keyforge live and did relatively well with it. And he, he was looking at it. He's like, oh, why did I sell this deck to you for, for so cheap? (laughs) And, uh, you know, joking around a little bit. And, uh, so that you know it's kind of kind of fun to occasionally find the those outperformers and to like hunt for them and try to figure out what I think they might be create little search criteria set up alerts that's a lot of fun mm. but I have never I've never sold a deck
1: yeah so Jupiter you have a little bit of experience in that side of things what what have you done in the past on the secondary market
2: oh I um I sell a lot Um, I'm one of those, (laughs) I'm one of those rare people that like will sell just about anything if you have the right price for it. So like, um, like there's a lot of, like when I look at the people in the secondary market that buy off me, right? Like I have different. Groups, right? I have my preferred customers who are people who have been buying off me since day one. I give them like way better deals, than I'll give you if you're a new customer. Sorry, for you new guys, but you got to get to get some repertoire. And the more you come back, the better you get. As Sydney could tell you, she's been a customer of mine before. Even though she says she doesn't buy a lot, she doesn't. But uh, I try to take I try to, I try, to, I try, to I try to help her out as best I can whenever. Well, she comes you around. you offered
1: me my uh, KFPL suite of three decks that I was borrowing from you, and I I could not pass up on that opportunity.
2: Yeah, I thought that was pretty fair. I usually like to think that I'm a fair, a fair, uh, a fair person. So, um, when it comes to people who are buying, though, usually um, there's basically four categories that I know. Like, there's the casuals, and those are people who are just looking for things they want to play. Right? Um, Mars fans are a big big uh, casual group. They're looking just for cool uh, synergies and combos and things like that that they can find and get cheap, right? Um, so those are kind of like the casuals. Um, they don't really care about playing competitively as much. They basically are just looking for the fun parts of the game, right? Um, then I think that there's collection managers. Those are the kind of people that are basically looking to get one of every type of archive, or archetype um, that they can find, whether it's good or great and, and different. It doesn't matter. It's just they want to know they have a Martian Generosity deck. They want to know that sure. they have a um, you know any combo type deck they want to know that they have each house and like the best of each house etc then you got the pros those are the people the quote-unquote pros that um they're looking for just the high-end top like top of the line super competitive you know go get them kind of deck and um honestly those are the best decks to have to sell and the worst decks to try to buy because nobody sells you junk (laughs) uh like nobody sells you their best stuff you always get what even the stuff that you see listed at like in the 90s ass and stuff that's for sale most of the time it's pretty bad like it's junk um it's stuff that basically they have either better like like once your collection gets really top heavy you just have better stuff and so you sell things so you're never buying the premium um deck on the secondary market. And very Interesting. rarely. The only time that you really get to that is if somebody's quitting. Or um, like I said, like you're just getting you're getting a premium deck, but there's the decks that they have are just better. And that's a good situation. But th- the cash for those usually gets pretty insane. I've brokered helped broker like two or three different deals where there was people paid over two thousand five hundred dollars for decks. Wow. Which is which is nuts. and the decks were probably the decks were probably quote unquote worth it if there was a pro scene like and there was money to be had like once Vault Warrior comes back around. But I can't say that even those decks are going to stand the amount of time that it took to get to Vault Warrior. Um, a lot of them are going to get like kind of uh, degraded from the different things that are added to the meta, right? And gotcha. So the, the, the last type of person, so I don't get too long-winded for Blake, um, is the, uh, <laughs> the uh, bargain chasers and the speculators. Um, so you have two types. Of, they, they kind of fall in the same category for me because what they're they're the basically ones that are looking for those super deals, right? They know that SAS doesn't mean everything, so they're in there and they're looking for like you know like the draft scores of the world he's really good at it like you look for the 15 to 30 decks and you look for them and do they make sense to you and then you basically you you speculate and you guess you go you know moving forward is this going to be good or bad or indifferent right and um i've had a lot of podcasts where i have told people like this card vault's blessing you know is is, is a good example like this card may, might not seem amazing it's still really good right like right now in the mass mutation meta but like 3 metas from now it's going to be even better because there's not going to be as many mutants. So that's a good point. So it's, it's kind of like a trick.
1: Blake, you mentioned earlier that you use SAS as a valuing tool. When you're shopping for decks, SAS as aside, like what what else do you look for? What what are you using to see how much a deck is worth to you?
0: I actually don't really value the SAS score as much. Like when I actually go to someone's collection, I almost instantly know that they're going to be pricing it from top down using SaaS. So at the top, it's going to be worth more. You go down. So I actually kind of usually just scroll past the very top and go a few show mores down before I really start looking. And then I start looking at the deck metrics to see how things are stacking up. Because I find that information, like the AERC, is giving me more of the info that I'm interested in, in buying a deck. So I start going from that basis and then using price. And the one thing as well that I find personally is when you're looking at those metrics as well, there are certain houses that will manipulate the metrics in a negative way, uh, just based on the way that the composition and the the numbers that go behind what makes up those scores are differ. And sometimes they don't align with my own perception of what I'm looking for. A big one is dinos because of the exalting. It instantly takes your Ember Control to add negative scores in there. And I don't actually value that the same way. Like, I don't care about that. I want to know how many cards are in the deck that can kind of do Ember Control. So I'll sure. sometimes even go and click on the score itself to see what's making up that number, to see how many negatives are in there to kind of get a different idea of what exists. And so I basically go off off that score as I kind of look at creature count raw pips and then um speed obviously but then it's it's really the three ones that make me first like key in is going to be amber control amber generation and board control i look at those three scores first and then kind of go down from there and kind of work my way through that's how i i like to use SAS. and the actual score itself really doesn't mean much to me i just kind of look at it to see i also like seeing like what is the base arc and then what is the synergy score to see, like, what's going on there? Because it has a really high base arc. I always find that interesting as well. But for the cool. most part, the the score means less to me than the raw stats of what makes the deck.
1: Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Drazcore, you mentioned earlier using search criteria. What what did yeah. you mean by that? Is that some of what Blake was just saying?
3: To an extent, yeah. So, um, uh, well, I definitely scroll past the expensive stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> And then, but yeah, I will I will always be forming various search criteria. I'll be like, oh, what about a deck with, you just mentioned Vaults Blessing. Okay, let me see how many decks for sale are there with three Vaults Blessing. And there's like none basically, right? <laughs> Very <laughs> small. So then you go with two, right? And now you're starting to find some maybe interesting stuff, right? Um, and then you're just looking for, okay, what, or at least what I'm looking for is, okay, within this set of decks... Is there an interesting combination of cards that I think is going to uh, maybe outperform what you know the casual observer might uh, might think, or does it just have something that's like really fun to try? Some fun combo that I'm looking at, like, well, this, there's no way this is going to be consistent enough to like take to a serious tournament, but for me playing around, I'll totally spend bucks on a few bucks on just buying a deck with some interesting thing and just like trying to make it happen and for its own like little mini game. Um, so I'll, I'll look for those sorts of things, but you can also, if you're a high enough uh, Patreon on Dex of Keyforge, I believe it's a $6 level, $6 month level. You can set up alerts. So I do that too, right? You set oh, up cool. alerts to say, Hey, what are the, what are the things that I want to be notified when they exist out there? And you can put, you know, basically anything you can put in a search on DOK, you can uh, you can put a little notification on. You can just get a little email. You can go look at it and say, "Hey, this looks really cool," or "Nah, this is this isn't that exciting for for the price." So that's it's pretty useful.
1: Gotcha. So so far, all three of you have been talking a ton about uh, decks of Keyforge. So is that the only place that like someone would go to access the secondary market of of Keyforge, or, or is there anywhere else you might like scour for decks? I guess. Go ahead, Jupiter.
2: Uh, the buy sell trade group on Facebook is is a good place to kind of get some ideas. Um, and eBay actually has a lot of action too. If you want to do eBay, yeah, the uh, all the decks like that you can find. eBay is probably the best place to find a, a better deck, um, but it's also one of the hardest places because like the people that are there usually can drop some pretty good money on them. So, um, I personally am always looking to use my my DOK store because being a Patreon, I have like you know like. Functions and stuff that make it a little bit easier. Um, the only thing I don't like about DOK is that it's hard to be in communication. The message system is still kind of weak to me. Sure. Um, I don't like it as much. I, I prefer people to just get in direct contact with me on Discord or, or Facebook Messenger um, because then I know that I'm in conversation with somebody and like I know like we can work out something. So that's kind of my preferred method. If you, like if you're just hoping that I catch your message on a DOK or or on an email, you probably are going to be behind the curve if you see something you really like versus just PMing me or in one of the PMs. Because uh, it's just like being in a store. I like to talk to people heads up about things and see what they're at and what, why they want something. And you can honestly like get a better deal from me if I feel like you really o- want to own the deck. Like if you feel like you, it's meant to be yours. So, yeah. <laughs> So that's just how I am. But.
1: So that's actually, that's given me a lot of little tidbits of, of the actual process. But so from from finding a deck that you like to, to holding it in your hand, like what is the process that you go through to, to make that happen? Uh, Blake.
0: Okay. For me, I usually am, I found lately that what I want to do is instead of looking for decks as a like everyone that exists, is I kind of like to go into a person's store and see if they got a couple. Or sometimes I'll be starting off with a larger search parameter for a certain archetype. And then once I key on one that's interesting, then I kind of will go into their store to try and buy more than one. Because if they're already shipping one, you might as well get shipped two or three type of thing is kind of my mentality sometimes. Oh, cool! And almost everyone's store is going to have something interesting if you just switch what you're looking for. But what I do is I actually will send an email is my my usual way of doing it. I will never use the messaging system within DOK because oh. I've got messages on there and I find it's just like, I don't get the alerts. Uh, it, it doesn't feel really dialed in, kind of like what Jupiter said. It's uh, so, new. Yeah. So yeah. so I just go for the email and then I just like, hey, I'm interested in this deck. Uh, if it has to make an offer, I'll, I'll make an offer and just kind of go from there and start a dialogue like Jupiter says and, and just go back and forth and find out something. Are they willing to come down in a price that uh, is more in what I'm looking for, are they sometimes that I kind of realize I don't really like the make it offer function as much because it's so random. And I feel that sometimes what the person's expecting and what you're coming in at are so far apart that you don't even get to have a conversation. It's just like rejected. And it's like, well, what are you actually wanting? And then it feels like such a waste of time going back and forth without some sort of a barometer of where they're actually looking, which the buy it now, I think is the is the nice sort of, okay, this is kind of what they're looking for. So I, I like having those as a metric to be, try and go a little bit under and not be almost insulting with the offer at the same time.
3: <laughs> it is tricky with that, make an offer. I definitely feel the same thing just in terms of of not sometimes wanting to push the button because I'm like, oh, well, what if they think this is a $100 deck? And I'm like, how about $25, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I, it's, I
0: find it, it actually tricky. deters from even inquiring on a deck. So that's something for... Uh, for sellers out there maybe to consider. But once the email conversation has begun, uh, once we fall on a price, it usually go. I usually go, okay, that sounds good to me. Uh, try and usually get something with shipping included, get a little bit of a deal. And then I'll even say, hey, if I was about to throw, I'll say, let me look at your store and find a couple of their decks potentially. So I always like to then go see, is there anything else that's interesting besides that? Get on PayPal, send the money to their email, then they say, okay, hey, it's sent. And then they, they give you a further confirmation that they have also sent it. Usually send you a tracking number and uh, go from there. And then Jazz usually oh, a week or two later, the deck arrives. You open it. You <laughs> go, wow, wait, this isn't the deck I bought. No, that's only happened once. <laughs> <laughs> Has that ever happened oh, no. to you? What it it happened? happened one time to me where wow. the guy sent me the wrong deck and it turned out to be this martian generosity deck and i was like well i have it and i played it and it became like actually i loved it it was so much fun to play and he was only selling it for two bucks and the other deck i wanted because of all the the rigmarole i was just like look i don't really want this deck anymore like i'm good can you just refund my money but i sent him the money for that deck because Mm -hmm. i was enjoying it and i was like you know what he said i could just keep it but i one, it's only two dollars. And two, it's like, I like it, so why wouldn't I pay for it? Because mm-hmm. I know he's kind of eating a shipping cost here anyways.
1: Mm-hmm. Aw, good for you. But it ended
0: up being like amazing. Like I I genuinely absolutely love this. It's not a key abduction, Martian generosity. It's just Martian generosity, but oh, it does
1: things. <laughs> <laughs> Has the process been pretty similar for you too, Draskar?
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's uh I, I would say most folks who are on um DOK are, are relatively responsive. Yeah, I have had trouble with the messaging system; just people not responding. I think they're not looking at it. It's 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 a newer feature. It, you know, could use some you, use some work. Um, eBay is is easy, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's it's really a storefront, so they have it down to a to a science. Um, I've never used Facebook to to buy anything um I don't love Facebook in general but uh but yeah Agreed. mainly my stuff is through through dok and through eBay I do feel like it's harder you, you mentioned before sometimes you can find good stuff on e- on eBay I feel like it's getting harder to to find good stuff because there's just posts from forever ago for you know various ancient decks that just keep reoccurring are there a lot of um, cross
1: posting like places you'll see decks in multiple places there's
3: some. Um, like you occasionally see, um, something on eBay that then you go over to DOK to check on it and it's listed there also, or you'll see a DOK listing as a link to an eBay item. Um, and, and you'll see that sometimes on Facebook too, but I think I would guess, I, maybe you guys feel different. I would guess most folks are focusing on one Avenue, uh, over another.
1: Mm, that makes yeah, a lot of say. sense. So Jupiter I think from sometimes the others- you get on
0: eBay, you get the overlap of people will use DOK as and eBay kind of together. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yep. it'll be like it's posted both or you'll just get, I guess, the uh, a screenshot of the image or a link to the, the deck in DOK just to get a little more insight. I find that's something that occurs. Oh,
1: cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Jupiter, you have seen this from the other side of the uh, other side of the coin. From when you get that notification that somebody is either messaging you about a deck or has clicked a button on decks of Keyforge, what is the process to to them reaching out to you, to you sending that deck?
2: Um, I am. I like to pride myself on being quick to respond to people. Um, like that's like my biggest thing. I don't know if you ever dealt with me. You, you, you know that I live across the street from the post office, so that helps me greatly. Um, but uh, but like uh, I, I, basically, if the post office is open, I try to get it over there to them because the speed just makes people happy and uh, it gets them their deck faster, right? And that's like one of the big the big things is getting that joy of actually getting to open it. But um, basically, for me, what happens is once there's a deal in place of whatever sort, um, I usually reach out to the person in a PM or a message. Or if I have to email. Um, and I ask them basically, it depends how it is, too. Like, if it's a person inquiring, like if you're inquiring about one of my decks, I will not talk like like full prices and stuff and details until I know that I have the deck, I'll physically have to see it in front of me because I go through so many things that sometimes you just miss one. Right. And I, and in all my time of doing this, I've only had one real snafu that where I kind of messed up. Well, it wasn't even my fault. It was the post office fault because I brought two decks in one was supposed to go to Hong Kong and one was supposed to go to Canada and she like reversed the labels. Oh So no. yeah, but we, we, I resolved it all pretty well. But like um, the, the, the key is for me is, is like, do I have the deck? Yes, I have the deck. It's physically here in my, in my pl- presence. Then I pack the deck. I make sure that it's going to be safely packaged, um, which means either I use cellophane to wrap a loose deck, or I put um, put it in a burger token box or whatnot. Ooh. So when the package goes out, I make sure that the, the package is safe, um, and I make sure that um, it's going to go to the correct address. I double-check that like three times. I do it when I write it. I do it when I am walking to the post office, and I do it when the post office asks me if it's right, because I, the last thing I want is like a small detail to be missed, and like it goes to the wrong place. Um, that's my big biggest fear I think Um, and then like really it's just a matter of sending the shipping information to the the customer so they have an idea of when it's going to be there Um, and then I usually check back um, with the person to make sure that they received it if they don't actually reach out to me and say they received it because I I like to make sure that they feel like there's open communication and I think all the best buyers will give you that if they're not openly communicating then usually um, it's kind of a sign that you might be in trouble
1: oh no has that ever happened to you before
2: Yes. Every once in a while, there's like people that kind of get busy with life or whatever, and they kind of are a little bit slower than others. And plus, like my expectation for how fast I put things out, I don't expect other people to be that <laughs> way because sure. uh, that's not their thing. But this is something I do as a stay home dad, like it helps with things. So I'm always trying to buy, sell and find homes for all my decks. Uh, recently, I started to just keep my top 10 and that's it and that's two from each set and then, so everything else is, is negotiable at this point but i'm also not gonna just hand away decks like people get like we were talking earlier about the um the idea of making an offer like draz and, and, and Blake both um as a as a seller i know that whenever i i've tried it all different ways right and whenever i put up like this is my price i have i would like to be around 100 bucks for this deck say right which is usually my top end for most things um if it's under 80 SAS, i wouldn't pay over 100 bucks for anything at this point but um because like it probably isn't competitive so like paying a ton of money for like less competitive decks isn't worth it. But like, uh, if like I put on a thing and I say I want a hundred bucks and you make an offer of fifteen bucks to me, like it, it's kind of like it just makes me not want to use that feature anymore because that feature yeah. just doesn't it doesn't work. Um, and that's why I think that reaching out to a person and talking to a person about decks and kind of seeing where they're at, like that's important. Because for me, it's like I really just want to hear where your price mind, where, where your price is set. Because there's nothing I have that I have to sell. So like it's like and I play the game too. So unfortunately, I'm in my own stash, which is like the worst thing for a, a dealer. to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh, <laughs> like, yeah. like uh, you know, the thing is, is, like, I have decks that I'm not, like, that I'm not, like, maybe overly tied to, but there's, like, Certain relevances like that make it worth more to me than not. Like um, a good example is Draskor. Every time I, he sees uh, Inca get posted up for sale, he's like, he's like, I thought you would love that deck, and I was like, I do. Uh-huh. And I was like, and, and, and it's like the thing is, is, nobody's gonna ever offer me enough money to get it off me, probably, because <laughs> because because there's you know it does have some holes in it, but like the deck is really really good and like it takes a special kind of playstyle to be good with it. So, but I I, I fish because I want to see because like if somebody gives me a great offer, that means I get to bring more more value to the people. Because I usually recycle a lot of what I sell into more openings, and then I get to basically fish for decks that I'm going to keep competitively. But I also get to bring my price average down, and that's what I've been working on lately. Like, um, hopefully, I want to get to the point where like 80 bucks is the top I put on any deck that I, I put up for sale because that's kind of like where I can get my boxes at. So, oh, cool, yeah.
0: So, do you find uh, that there's any set that you find sells better than other sets? Or draws that you find you're buying more. Is there like a set you seem either you just find the best deals exist in that one? So, Draz, why don't you go first?
3: Um. Uh, so, I find myself buying more mass mutation than anything, but I think that is more a function of probably two things. Um, one, it's my favorite set, <laughs> so, so I. I just enjoy some of the things going on in it. I enjoy playing it. Um, I also think there's in just the distribution of cards and decks and whatnot. I think there's there's more like I don't know what we'll call it medium high level decks stuff that's like pretty good that's in my price range that um, that I can get um, and have fun with. So, but I don't know that that has specifically to do with um the way various sets sell in particular
0: okay and sydney do you have anything that you find you gravitate to either like you're trying to buy more of the actual decks and open from a set or is it kind of just
1: matter Usually- where the deals are Yeah. Usually when I'm looking to buy a deck for any reason, it's probably for some sort of sentimental value. Like the, the only decks that I have bought myself so far, they, one had the name Steel in it. And one, uh, like I mentioned earlier had, um, were the three decks that I played in the KFPL. So like all of these had very sentimental value. So their sets really didn't Didn't quite matter to me, but I will say there are, there are more um, decks with the word steel, like my last name, the SC steel in it from uh, Italy in the Italian language than, than any Uh. other language. So um, that, that is probably where, where I have most of my steel decks from.
2: Yeah. Happy Mother's Day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again.
0: Jupiter, what about you?
2: um i think that um because i'm also a buyer right like I, I i delve in both sides but i think that like the most value that you get out of any set is in uh, worlds collide as i think the set is the one that has the least amount of holes and the most the least amount of weakness um and it tends to balance out really well but i also think Cough, that right mass be- I, I i also think Duh. that yeah that's fine but like the other stuff is just amazing so it kind of it it, pay- it peters out for that but um the other set that is really good is is mass mutations because of the pip value and how it kind of it skews the 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 decks in certain ways so it gives it more of an original type thing and mass mutations has a lot of very powerful cards in it so that's kind of where i stand with that okay cool
1: so speaking of language, actually, uh, I know, Blake, you're, you're selling some French displays in Jupiter. Before we started recording, you mentioned that um, language actually affects the types of decks that you, you want to hold on to because of playing in person. Does that have any effect on, on what you look for? Like if you are looking for a deck and you find it's in a different language, do you balk at it? Or when someone wants to buy a deck from you, are you do you feel obligated to tell them it's actually in a different language?
2: Uh, you always tell people exactly what they're getting. Um, you usually want to like, like when I list, it's like I always say, uh, "new, new, all, as if in plastic," and most of the time they're still in plastic. So, I figure as long as you advertise below what the rate is, you're doing fine. Like if I say, like you know, it's opened. If it's open, if I say it's like uh, opened and it's still in plastic, that's just as good, right? Like value wise, as far as like the um, mm-hmm. the the, ki- the keep of it. As far as languages go you should never ever lie about the language (laughs) on the deck because that is offsetting to some people like right now i am unloading all my foreign stuff because i can't play locally with my my people and i have like stuff ranging from 71 to 81 that are all really good decks and i just because i don't want to confuse my locals even more than as they're trying to learn the game like i just decided that it's not worth me keeping them so i'm getting rid of them but like i'm very quick to say. I either put other if I'm bulk listing them because I don't know like if it's Italian or French sometimes like sometimes they're too close for me to distinguish, but I know most <laughs> of I know most of my decks are, are French and then I know I have a handful of Italian ones and then I have one Chinese one that's actually super awesome. It's a Horseman deck for mass mutation. It's, it's freaking nuts. But I wish it was in English. But oh, Legacy. Uh, that's fun. Oh uh, yeah, it's so good. Um, but. Whoa. I can't play them like in person, so I'm 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 at that point now where I'm going English only, and that's what I'm looking for. And like I said, I have the lot up as a lot to either trade or sell. So like if somebody had something really awesome to trade me, like a deck, I would take one deck for all twenty eight. Like that's just how where I'm at right now with that. So
0: yeah, I, I kind of fall in the I don't want any more foreign language decks. I <laughs> I bought a couple, especially when I'm buying like a single deck. It's different if like there's crazy sales and you can buy like a bulk and find something cool. But, uh, like what I'm selling basically now, I, I seem to be the foreign, well, foreign, the French language guy selling cheap decks now. <laughs> uh, and I just found that the Italian decks I've bought, like I can't play them with my friend because it becomes a more tedious process. Like I'm not opposed to bringing them out to the store and and if it's like a really good tournament. But I, I find now that I'm I'm literally just looking for, the english language now although i really do want to get my hands on a korean language decks i think the the font they chose to display the korean characters is so aesthetically pleasing that i just really want to get a huh. korean deck cool. at some point that's like on you know, my my bucket list for keyforge but yeah i will that's part of the reason why i also will choose a shop instead of just going the broad because when you go broad like the amount of italian decks on dok is unbelievable there are so many Italian decks on DOK like I I feel like there's some weird distribution or something like I don't get it but a lot of top end Italian too
2: their population is like three times that of any other gaming group that's why them and the French Uh. are both the biggest gaming group like uh they have like 300 Parking, person though. yeah they have mm-hmm. like 300 person tournaments and stuff so oh, like back when it was in their heyday like i don't know what it is like now but they have like a huge group so that's probably probably part of it they open a lot of stuff so um that's probably why you see so much italian stuff and uh Made the sense. chinese are actually up and coming right now oh, um, totally. that the a- the apac is definitely uh, starting to bring people forward and i i know this mostly through the kfpl because i i've talked to so many different regions um and stuff but like APAC is growing like um it's doing pretty well the the italians are definitely like maintaining as best they can um then you have like the northern european group i call them oh, that's like the germany all the way over to england kind of group like uh they're pretty you know they got a pretty good uh, set of numbers and then there's like the us like canada demographic is pretty You know, pretty good, but like the Italians, they they probably double. Like, if you talk about like Greece and Italy together, they probably double the amount of players that uh, from everywhere else. Like on a single. Oh wow,
1: that's awesome.
2: That's that's not a educated or a a a statistically proven (laughs) thing, but from what I see in like the way that I react with people and who I talk to and stuff, the Italians just have way more players.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I do prefer. Yeah, English decks just because, you know, uh, it's the only real language I could sort of communicate in. I'm not even that great with uh, with like English, but you know. Um, <laughs> um, th- so interestingly, I I, fa- I realized that like um I have a couple Chinese language decks, and I realized it's it's actually harder because I can't easily search for them by name.
1: Sure, like yeah. I
3: can, for for even like an italian or a french deck or something um which which is like a weird roadblock that i didn't really think about when i first got uh one or two chinese language decks but um plus then there's just the fact that you know when i'm just looking through for you know my my cheapo decks sometimes if the deck name is particularly fun it'll just push me over the edge and be like well, I, i have to have um uh, I have to have, here we go, uh, here's one right here that I just randomly scrolled to, Mrs. Puffsy, the nuclear-powered captain. I'm like, well, that is that is a great name. So I, I didn't read the rest of this Double Vaults Blessing deck yet, but maybe for the name alone, I, I, I shouldn't. I should just just offer him something.
1: Who oh, knows? totally. <laughs> that's like
2: one of the decks his daughter will be piloting against him. There you go, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much. This has been incredibly informative, but we cannot end an episode of Help from Future Self without our titular segment. Help
0: Help from Future future Self. self.
1: Blake, I hear you have one for us today.
0: Yes, uh, I was playing some IRL sealed adaptive with my friend, which uh, we do almost every Friday. We just crack a couple decks and uh, have a good old time. And I pulled my very first uh Dark Discovery deck. Never seen a well actually he's the one who opened it. But I when we played it the second time, I got to take advantage of this uh great card suite. So the very first time I played it, I pulled off Dark Discovery. Can check that box. And it just so happened that when I played it, I got two of the pieces, but I didn't have the key part of it. But I only had four cards left in my deck. So I knew that I just had to get to the draw and then it was inevitable that I was going to be able to pull it off. I looked at my opponent's uh draw pile and I knew he wasn't going to cycle anytime soon. So I basically started seeing the situation on the board where I'm like, "Oh my goodness, I'm going to lose. We're both going to key 3. He's pushing way harder than me." And I was like, "Okay, I can't actually just go and try and hope for that I play two cards and hope I have a 50% chance of drawing my card. So what I had to do was take an L because my opponent went to five Ember. And I think your opponent being at five Ember is a really interesting decision space within the game of Keyforge for a lot of different reasons, which you'll have to tune into my YouTube content to find out why. And uh, I think that I went with the decision, you know what, I'm going to play this house, which is not going to do anything, other than allow me to have a higher chance of drawing the dark discovery. Cause I think I knew I could figure I was going to draw three, but I wasn't going to be able to draw four. So I did it. I got myself in the position. I did happen to draw it. And then when he passed to me in check, like aggressively, I'm just like, I win. played, showed him all three and he's like, Oh dang. So, uh, it was that moment that I learned to not necessarily push the check, but to sometimes you got to go for the less optimal, move right now to set up the next turn's really big play. So it was like taking a beat to really consider the options. And I find when your opponent doesn't go into check, you just have that. Even if it's five, you just have such interesting decisions to be made. And sometimes even going for like highest cycle or not highest cycle is the right move in that moment. So I always find that a fun place to be in within the game.
1: That is a great point. Thank you. So as always, I am SC Steel on TCO and Discord. So Blake, where are you at and what you got going on?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Boulevard Blake. That's B-L-V-D Blake, as well as on my YouTube under the same name. And uh, right now I'm just trying to offload a ton of cheap product in Mass Mutation (laughs) and also in Worlds Collide. Uh, hit me up. You can uh, send me, hit me on Twitter or send me an email or even on Discord. Email is... Uh, I'll put it in the show notes as well as Boulevard Paper Fight. That's BLVD Paper Fight, Discord Boulevard Blake number sign 3840. We got uh, World's Collide Premium. Uh, I don't even know how to call it. It's like the premium one that has the chain tracker and it has a bunch of storage and you get two decks. We got lots of those. We got the Mass Mutation... English, you can get 48 decks shipped to you anywhere in uh, basically Canada and the US for 200 bucks. So that's four displays worth, including shipping for 200. We got French, which is going to be uh, cheaper as well. And then we got Worlds Collide for 50 bucks a display and you get discounts if you buy a case.
1: Oh my gosh, that's that's a steal. That's incredible.
0: Like, let's yeah, let's chat good. over the after
3: the podcast.
1: <laughs> you <got it>. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cheap you're speak- speaking my language. Speaking of Drascore, where can people find you?
3: So I am Drascore on Discord. Um, You can find me in places like the Archon's Corner uh, Discord or the ABR Discord. I'm always hanging around those places. I was just hanging out in the Cookout channel, uh, ABR, this morning. That's one of the fun uh, non-Keyforge channels uh, in in that Discord server. But um, um And then, of course, you can find me on the uh, KFPL weekly podcast and hear Jupiter and I ramble on about all sorts of exciting KeyForge stuff.
1: That is exciting. So, Jupiter, where can people find you, and what do you have selling right now?
2: (laughs) I got all kinds of stuff selling. Like uh, any of my decks are always—they always have a price. I'm like the million dollar man. There's always a price you can find it. (laughs) Uh, But no, but like uh, seriously, uh, in in all seriousness. the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Discord, Jupiter, um, pound zero seven five zero. If you want to PM me about anything, you can hit me on Messenger. I'm the only Jupiter in any, most of the groups, uh, KFPL Jupiter on TCO, um, but. The easiest way is if you go to the kfpl.site, kfpl.site um, there is a media tab there. If you go to the media sources tab, it has our podcast that I do with Trascore. It has the YouTube channel. It has links to the Twitch. It has our Twitter account. My Twitter account is at KeyforgeL because Keyforge from League was not uh, short enough. So it's just KeyforgeL is me. Um, and... Yeah. uh, As far as sales go, I'm always looking to sell things. So if you find my collection, you can always ask. I'm I'm more than willing to negotiate things. Um, The biggest thing I have out right now, like I said, is I have a 28 deck foreign queue, basically box of 28 decks, foreign language cards ranging from 71 to 81 SAS. And I can guarantee you at least like 10 of those decks I would play in a heartbeat if they're English and probably not want to give up. So um, there's a lot of good stuff but i'm getting rid of it as a lot so i'm looking for the best offer or the best trade for it so um, i'm always open to trading i'm not just a seller i like to trade as well
1: so
2: <laughs> um, but it takes a bit to get a good trade because like i'm pretty particular about what i want at this point
1: cool cool well thank you all my key forge friends and thank you all for listening and until next time stay fortunate